Welcome to CII Radio. I'm Luke Holloway, editor of The Journal. In this episode, I'll be speaking to Sarah Lord and Kevin Hancock. With the cost of living increasing in the UK, today we discuss how the insurance and personal finance professions can highlight the need for customers and clients to ensure they have the right cover in place and that investments are not eroded by inflation in a way that damages clients' long-term plans. I'm joined by Sarah Lord, President of the Personal Finance Society, and Kevin Hancock, Chair of the Society of Insurance Broking. Hello, Sarah, and hello, Kevin, and thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Hi. Hi, Luke. Very, very pleased to have you both with us. Thank you for, for joining us. Um, Sarah, if we could start with you, um, what effects of the cost of living increases are advisors seeing with their clients and, and their clients' finances? Well, I think the main one um, we are starting to see from clients is concern over their budgets being squeezed with, you know, it's well publicised, shall we say, the increase in cost of fuel very recently and therefore the cost to fill up cars, particularly if people are travelling in their cars to work. Energy bills is the other really big one that is starting to concern clients because, you know, many can't get a sort of fixed tariff at the moment. So have seen some significant increases and also, you know, just day-to-day essentials such as food. So I think the biggest concern we're starting to see is that clients are concerned about their budgets and affordability um, and are wanting sort of advice and guidance around, you know, maintaining their budgets and their ability to, should we say, weather this current storm of kind of the cost of living crisis. There is also the interplay of the increases to national insurance contributions coming through. Um, And again, for some, that is a concern because it does mean that ultimately at the end of the month, they're going to have less pay. So um, in that situation, it's kind of double whammy because there's less pay because there's higher national insurance contributions, but equally, things are costing more as well. So budgets really are starting to be squeezed for some individuals. It's really interesting, isn't it, Sarah? I I agree with all of that. And um, I'm not sure yet that people have actually started to feel that pain because it is all so new and so recent. So, you know, so yes, fuel, you know, kind of we're all seeing our bills going up and 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 the impact of, of the NI increases. But I, I wonder if it's kind of something that's kind of still two or three months away from reality for, for a few people. Yeah, definitely. I would I would agree with that. I think, you know, there's been much in the press around it, but I think some people's so some people are concerned as to what's going to happen to their budgets and trying to think ahead. Some people have already seen the increases on their energy bills and have a concern around that, around, I suppose, the sustainability of paying much higher monthly energy bills. But I think you're right. I think there's still many individuals that aren't really yet seeing it start to bite. And, you know, come the summer, I think if we see more increases in 
food costs, for example, as well, then I think people really will start to pay attention and become more concerned um, as to their overall financial well-being. Absolutely, Sarah. I mean, what Kevin said is is right as well. You know, these some people that aren't maybe as engaged with these increases in national insurance, they they might suddenly be looking at their pay slip in April and May and be like, I'm £20 less than I normally am, you know, or suddenly there's, you know, as you say, food it starts creeping up and there, and that's when they, you know, the realization hits that um, they are being more and more squeezed. So it's a really vital time for advisors. We've kind of spoken about the shorter term kind of day-to-day expenses. Um, Sarah, will, will this now impact your well financial advisors, clients longer term about their plans for their, their pensions and, and their investments as well? Yeah, I, th- I think ultimately it will. Um, I think just linking back to that earlier point about, should we say, incremental creep and people becoming more aware of it over the next two to three, four, four months. I think they, that's where the real challenge is going to become around short term, should we say, survival or resilience versus long term saving for financial kind of confidence in the future, um, because many individuals are you know are putting money away either into cash savings or longer term investments using ISAs and pension contributions but if the short term budget is really squeezed then naturally it is those things that people start to think well it's okay you know I, I'll, I'll stop my monthly saving for the next few months and And for some, that can be okay, but I would always encourage that you do need to have a degree of saving as part of your budget because you need to be thinking about the long-term future. And the concern is that, you know, if you stop your or pause your, um, say, ISA contributions or pension contributions and think, oh, I'll pause for three months and then it'll be okay, often... We don't see clients restarting those contributions for some time. And we all know the benefit of, you know, investing a little over a long period of time can have a real benefit for the future. So kind of advice to clients needs to be looking at it all in the in the round. And, you know, maybe it's not a case of stopping contributions entirely, but maybe reducing them slightly just to give that little bit of headroom for the short term. But yeah, we shouldn't be losing sight of, you know, the importance of long-term financial resilience and kind of having confidence in your financial future. Yes, it, it certainly is a balancing act between the short-term and, and long-term plans as well. Kevin, turning to the, the general insurance market and broking, I mean, um, how are the increases in the cost of living in the UK affecting insurance customers? Yeah, there, there, there are two or three things here that I just wanted to chat about and just, just come back on, on something that Sarah said there as well, that one of the things that, that we observe in the consumer market is that actually the pandemic has enabled people to, to a great extent to reduce personal debt so so i think i think some individuals are actually in slightly better shape than they would have been traditionally but then you know they're now facing these these sort of hardships ahead and i just want to touch on the the kind of the commercial whether it be sme or the corporate market as well is the pandemic has actually been really good for some businesses. You know, some of them have have had a good couple of years and, and again, have probably done better than they have before. So 
so there is there is a bit of a kind of a paradox here that some businesses and individuals are relatively cash rich compared to um, to where they've been historically. But look, the cost of living increases are certainly going to impact everyone, and you know we're seeing a lot of people sort of, I suppose, questioning more about the breadth of their coverage and, and what they what they are insuring. And I think that's probably a really good early indicator that people are anticipating the squeeze to come. So, uh, you know, I think people are conscious of it. And I think all, all of the things that Sarah mentioned earlier, you know, I, I, I really do agree with. And uh, and I also think it's kind of it's a short term risk to people that, for example, they don't have insurance cover that they that they should have. The catastrophe can happen at any time. So uh, so I really do think we're having to spend more time, quite rightly, giving advice, reminding people why they've got cover, reminding people what is going to happen in the event of, of you know, something terrible happening um, and therefore why the insurance coverage represents value, even if they're anticipating that money might be tight for them. Absolutely. And, and how is the current economy affecting the insurance market more widely? Are there, are there other factors that you, you, you could note? Yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting. So, so pandemic happened at a time when the insurance market was generally hardening, certainly the general insurance market was generally hardening anyway. So, you know, people were seeing their insurance premiums drifting upwards and in the commercial sector, you know, particularly for things like professional indemnity and other financial lines, you know, they were doing more than drifting upwards, they were galloping upwards. But in terms of other outside economic effects, probably the biggest effect that we're seeing is that is that the cost of materials uh, has increased. So, so the costs of wood, metal, building materials, things like that, and they're all feeding into uh, increased claims costs, which means that insurers will have to spend more to reinstate property, which in turn will lead to inflationary pressures uh, within the marketplace so so there is a there's a, again a bit of a double whammy in terms of um, in terms of what's going on there the the other thing which we've got to be really conscious of is it will be costing more money to rebuild property to 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 reinstate machines it will take longer to get uh, replacement machines and things so so we need to spend more time making sure that sums insured are adequate that indemnity periods for things like business interruption haven't shifted without anybody kind of realizing so we need to be uh, in there questioning the clients uh, fairly deeply about what happens if the worst were to happen. And of course, if you start increasing sums insured, generally the premiums also increase. So again, that's another factor which kind of makes people think twice about sort of the adequacy and the breadth of their own cover. Yeah, there, there really is a lot for the for insurers to focus on, and the impact, as you touched on there, is is very far reaching. And and also, I mean, you, you did mention it earlier briefly. Is there a danger that you know individual customers, because they're they're feeling this this squeeze now, and they've got less money that they do let cover lapse, or they don't renew, or they think, well, I'll just you know that's a that's an expense I just can't afford, and then as you say, is a cover they they really do need. 
Yeah, I, I do. And, and and we see it. And in fact, I was um, talking to a client yesterday who kind of slightly took the it's not going to happen to me point of view, which is quite a, a, a difficult one to overcome on the face of it. But but, you know, I think I think we just have to spend time. We owe it to them to spend the time to explain what might happen and and why you know, having that insurance protection is is a really decent investment, whether or not it's a personal protection issue or something uh, in their in their business it's very easy and i think sarah touched on it earlier it's very easy for people to say i won't worry about it just for now i'll come back to it another day and and you know and and i agree you know more often than not people don't do that very readily Absolutely. And, and Sarah, I mean, following on from that, obviously, you know, advice is always incredibly, incredibly valuable. I mean, but this is certainly a, a very important time for advisors. What, what can f- personal finance professionals do to support um, their clients at, at a time like this? Yeah, I, I mean, as you say, I mean, advice at any stage is, I think, incredibly valuable and powerful to clients, but more so than ever at the moment. And I think just picking up on the point that Kevin was making there, there is a role that kind of personal financial professionals, you know, financial advisors, financial planners can play in relation to that sort of piece around insurance and making sure that, you know, that isn't where the cloth is cut, as it were, and, 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 you know, help clients understand the importance of maintaining cover and paying the premiums and looking at other aspects of the budget first and I think one of the most (laughs) the most powerful things that as um, financial planners and financial advisors we can do with working with our clients particularly at times like this but you know just generally is you know the use of cash flow modeling is incredibly helpful for individuals because to create that cash flow model to begin with you really have got to understand the budget so the income and the expenditure and the impact of you know some of those should we say budget decisions and it can also really help put into context of if you know we were talking earlier about people maybe stopping ISA contributions or pension contributions through cash flow modeling you can really demonstrate you know the impact of say reducing contributions on sort of financial resilience in the future so I think that's one area that we really can help clients is by I suppose bringing it to life a bit more through cash flow modeling, modeling different sort of what if scenarios. So what is the impact of, you know, slightly lower income because of the national insurance contribution rises and also, you know, higher costs of living to put it in context. And also give clients confidence because nine times out of 10, it is more about clients understanding their own financial picture and having confidence that they're okay. Um, And the majority of clients will be okay, but need that confidence, that reassurance that whilst at the moment we're going through a difficult period as far as the cost of living, we will 
we can, we will come out of it. Um, and, you know, some decisions that are taken today will have an impact on the future, but actually you will be okay. So it's giving clients that reassurance and being there for them to have those conversations. We've also got, I suppose, the added overlay that investment markets have been fairly volatile since the beginning of the year. So not only um, is, you know, people's budgets being squeezed, they're also nervous about the investment markets. And again, you know, history tells us we do go through periods of volatility and, you know, we can come out the other side, as it were. So again, it's about advisors and um, financial planners being there for their clients, giving them reassurance that, um, you know, we're there to help and advise them and, and help them make decisions that not only are the right decisions, say, for today, but also the right decisions for the future. And, and you, you mentioned there, Sarah, it's about the importance of giving clients confidence, um, you know, approaching their finances proactively. Um, in your experience, obviously, the backdrop of the economy does go up and down. Are you, you confident, you know, that this is just for the meantime and things will get better as well? Yeah, I think, you know, you can never say never. None of us have crystal balls, but they have go back over history. There's plenty of charts out there that show the impact of, shall we say, when when you're living in it, the the impact of the investment market. So, for example, March 2020, when COVID first hit, we saw significant falls in the investment markets. And we saw, you know, naturally clients were incredibly concerned because it was a double whammy. It was COVID. Um, you know, no, none of us had sort of lived through a lockdown and the investment markets were what felt like turmoil. But, we've, you know, we've come out of that and we're now going through another period of volatility. There's plenty of times in the past where, you know, there's maybe been high interest rates, for example, that's impacted on people's um, sort of standard of life or cost of living. So there are points in time that we can um, sort of refer to, to sort of say, it was a period of time over the longer term, we can come out of this. So as I say, none of us have a crystal ball, but I, I'd, I'd be confident that this is just, you know, we'll look back in 10 years time and it will just be another little dot, shall we say, on kind of those um, charts that we see. But it's having I suppose it's having the confidence now that actually it will be okay. And that's the role that we play as financial planning professionals in those relationships with clients is kind of giving the context of history and how that may play out in the future and giving confidence that um, clients can get through this. And Kevin, um, I'm sure in your experience, you've seen that, you know, the market behave in all sorts of ways and, and you know, customer expectations changing. I mean, what are your thoughts on the, for, you know, the future for the insurance profession? And, and are you confident about um, the, the months and the years to come? In my experience, always suggests great age, Luke. Um, I would try to avoid that. Absolutely. <laughs> you might not be wrong. But, um, but yeah, you know, the, the, there has always been a cycle. And what's been really interesting over the last, it's nearly 20 years now is that the the general insurance market has actually kind of flattened out until probably two and a half years ago something like that so so the market dynamic required excuse me 
that um, there's a bit of a correction in, in terms of premiums as far as insurers are concerned. And I think we were predicting that that the, the market cycle would kind of come back to par maybe by the end of uh, next year, something like that. But yeah, pandemic got in the way. Uh, it threw a spanner into into the economy. I agree with Sarah that kind of you know because no one had had lived through a pandemic before and lockdowns, none of us knew what was going to happen. So we all went into a bit of a holding pattern. And so some businesses and some people did did very well, and some uh, struggled more. But it was still it still looked as though it's going to be fairly predictable. We were going to see an increase in interest rates, and then it was going to you know it's likely they were going to drift down again, and um, uh, and that was fine. And then of course you got these global risks that that we haven't really faced for for many years with what's going on in Ukraine, and that's had a bit of a shock event over the last what's two three months now, uh, where it's creating an environment where people are kind of haven't got the confidence to to be investing necessarily in areas that they that they might otherwise have invested in and i also think there's, there's, there's we've got an issue which which has never gone away but because of all the noises of, of everything else we're kind of not talking about as much as we should and, and that's weather and climate those things impact so much on the claims patterns um, and claims results of, of insurers that um, that we really ought to be bearing in mind, you know, what we can do environmentally to to make sure that that you know these these weather events that have been speeding up over the last twenty or thirty years, you know, don't also continue to impact consumers of insurance although i think there's a bit of an inevitability that they will do certainly in the medium term so so you know there's there's an awful lot going on having said all of that i still believe that it's a cyclical market i still think that there will be elements that we'll all manage slightly differently and better and and pricing in terms, uh, certainly the rate of hardening of the market is slowing. Whether or not it will come back to a position of a softening in the market, let's wait and see. But I think we will start to see something of the cycle return. Probably, you know, once we know what's happening in in Ukraine and, and the outcome there, uh, you know, I, th- I think six months after that, hopefully. Uh, finishes, we might get a bit more clarity in what the economy and and claims trends look like. Absolutely. And, it, and something you've both kind of touched on is that, you know, times are always changing and there are a lot of factors for, for insurers and advisors to consider. And it's just important that the profession adapts to meet those those needs of, of customers and clients. And and, and Sarah, um, coming back to you finally, I mean, what is the Personal Finance Society doing to, to help continue to support members um, and in terms of good good practice guidance? And, and where would you kind of direct listeners to find out more in, in the coming coming months? Yeah, I think there's a number of aspects really as to how the Personal Finance Society is helping members. I mean, it's great that we now are back to -to face-to-face regional conferences, which is delivering, you know, some fantastic CPD. Um, And I'm sure, you know, on the programme, there are elements around sort of advising clients around kind of, you know, the, the environment that we're in at the moment. So I would always encourage members to, you know, if they can, to go along to those events because um, 
can learn some great stuff or um, listen to different views, shall we say, um, as to the impact of the cost of living crisis. And then I suppose specifically more for members and their own, um, shall we say, financial well-being, there is the whole sort of a affinity benefits program that's available through the personal finance society which is kind of called perks um and you know there's that offers some significant savings across sort of lifestyle and travel even kind of business aspects um and advice just you know one thing to highlight for example there's the ability to kind of get cash back at if you're shopping at sort of major retailers and discounted club memberships and things like that, and also gift card savings. So I think, you know, if you ha- if members haven't checked out the <clears throat> perks that's available through the Personal Finance Society, I really would encourage them to do so because, you know, we talk about clients being affected by the cost of living crisis, but ultimately kind of everyone is. So it, advisors are as well. So, you know, there's there's potentially some savings available to our members, to them, to help them through the cost of living um, sort of crisis as well. Excellent. Thank you, Sarah. And, and finally, Kevin, can you tell us a little bit about how the Society of Insurance Broken is supporting members as well? Yeah, absolutely, Luke. So, so we also are issuing regularly good practice guides, but I think I think it's kind of wider than that. I think it's incumbent upon all of us that are, that are a member of the society to be helping colleagues, particularly those of us that are a bit more experienced, to help to kind of educate and inform uh, about how we continue to offer the best possible advice to our clients. And and you can only do that by talking amongst ourselves, in my view, and also making sure that we're communicating effectively uh, with our clients. So it's about about sharing experiences. It's about media like this, uh, understanding kind of how people do it. And say, I would would advocate for, for anyone listening just if you take one thing away from anything that we've said would, would be you know, talk and listen to your clients about how they are currently affected by uh, by the changes that we've that we've shared today and and then have the confidence to offer that advice sometimes it's not what clients want to hear but it's what they need to hear and and i think that's that's really what we need to to be instilling uh, in in all of our membership is to make sure that they are giving advice and not just kind of executing instructions if you like so so if people uh, members of the society of insurance broking want to go and find more practical information they can go to sib.org.uk where you'll find all of those different advice guides uh, and also where obviously we can be contacted through that website as well. And we'd certainly encourage our listeners to to um, make the most of those those resources. And uh, that all, all that remains for me is to thank you both for joining us. It's been incredibly interesting. Great to get your insight on, on all different sorts of topics. And it's been a pleasure to speak to you both. So uh, thank you for joining us today on the podcast. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. To find out more, visit thejournal.cii.co.uk forward slash podcasts, or you can follow us on Twitter at CII Group. Until next time, thank you for listening to CII Radio and goodbye.